Why don't we stand real quick? We're going to get into the Word of God, and, and uh, I just expect that God will continue to move through this service, and we'll have a time of prayer here at the end. Um, but I have just an opening text from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, and uh, I'll read that, and then we'll pray, and you'll be able to be seated. Uh, but this is what Paul writes, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled. Reconciled basically means he has, it's, it's, it's joining a relationship back together. Something that was broken, he is reconciling. It is bringing back a relationship to the good. He has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespass unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him." And so for a few moments, I would like to talk to you on the subject of the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, it has been apparent that you have been in the room with us. And so, God, as we navigate your word today, I'm asking, Lord, that we would be able to receive your words and that by the end of this message, that there's something in our spirit that would resonate with it, that when we walk through those doors and we make our way home and make our way through the week, that, God, we recognize the responsibility we have with being reconciled in you and the ambassadors, God, that we are to your kingdom in this community right now. And so, Lord, I'd ask that you anoint the words that you have given me. But, God, I'm asking you that you would anoint every heart, every mind, every ear to be able to absorb your word and to retain this. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we talk about ministry, probably the biggest topic that you'll hear regarding ministry is the fivefold ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the perfecting of the saints. Aren't you glad that none of us are perfect in this room? That everyone in here, eh, we're not perfect. Everybody in this room, we're flawed people. We say this often that we are imperfect chasing a perfect God. And so let's just get it out of the room right now that nobody in here is perfect. We all make mistakes. We are imperfect. And so the work of the ministry that we I just read about, the fivefold ministry, uh, those five different offices are for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry. The gifts were never created for personal profit. I know if you have ever been church hurt, we've all known people somewhere, whether it's on TV or you might know them personally. There have been some people that have used the offices that God has given us to minister for personal gain. Some will leverage places of authority for relationships and for finances. Listen, I'm all for it. I draw my income from this church. I am here full time. Pastor Hoffman, our lead pastor, he does the same. There are people that are employed by the church. So I'm not knocking getting a paycheck or being compensated for your time, but I do go after the people that always want full-time ministry because they want a paycheck. Listen, if it were up to me, I could make more money doing something else if we're being honest. We're not, I'm not, listen, I drive, I drive a charger. Love my car. I would really love a Porsche. 911 Turbo. That is my favorite vehicle, I promise you. Every day on my Instagram feed, they are popping up because that's what I search for. I am praying for a Porsche. But I don't make that kind of capital. 
I'm receiving that in Jesus' name. But listen, there are other ways we can make finances. There are other ways that we can build relationships. And so sometimes the work of the ministry is for the perfecting of the saints. It is not for our own gain. But when we look at ministry, we often think of like, okay, well, ministry must mean prophets, teachers, apostles, pastors. We often look at frontline like that's ministry. And I always tell our young ministers, like, listen, if you think you're going to get really wealthy or you're going to aspire and, and reach all these goals and, and just and, and build it all off of ministry, maybe, maybe not. But if your heartbeat is for that, you will not succeed. But if you love people, then God will help you succeed. If your true motivation is to help the body of Christ, you will be successful. But the minute somebody sniffs out that you're leveraging, they're gone. So the ministry was never intended for our own personal gain. It was for the perfecting of the saints, for the body of Christ. So what is it for? Well, the fivefold ministry is a response really to a mandate from God himself. I'll take you to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. In the NIV, I believe it says, make disciples. That is what we're here to do, is we are to go make disciples. Well, why should we make disciples? Well, disciples are followers of Christ, Christians, followers of Christ. Well, we are supposed to be pointing people to Christ. But why are we supposed to point people to Christ? In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Somebody's lost. He came here to seek and save that which was lost. Why are we lost? Well, if you go to the first story, that's not even the first story. After creation, we find out that Adam and Eve were in the garden and that uh, Eve partook of the fruit. She had one job. Well, they had a couple of jobs, right? They had to name all of the animals, all the fun stuff. But listen, they had one job. Like, don't eat of that fruit. It's like children. Like, listen, you can do everything you want. Just don't do that. What are they going to do? do that. So say, like, maybe I wonder if God actually never mentioned the tree. Maybe they would never even touch the tree. Like, you know what, I'm just not going to tell them about it. And we probably would be in a different situation. I don't know. But he did say, you know what, don't touch that tree. Okay. That's what they went and did. But what happened as soon as Eve partook of that tree, of that fruit, and her knucklehead husband, who wasn't there to lead her, joined in after her, sin entered the world. There was a fracture in the relationship with God. If you remember, back, I, I pray this prayer all the time when, when we read about the Lord would come in, it says, in the cool of the night, and he would walk with Adam and Eve. He would walk with Adam. And, and I love that because a lot of times, it's like last night was so perfect, so my wife and I took Luna on a walk. It was evening. It was cool. It's one of those, it's like, it's almost, you know, you're just out there walking. It's perfect. There's no snow on the ground. It's not cold. I don't need a hoodie. It's just me and my T-shirt and my slides, and we're out there. And we're taking this walk, and you know what? It, I, could see, I could see the Lord walking with Adam in the cool of the night. But one night, he comes out, and he's like, Adam, where are you? Adam finally realizes, him and Eve realized that they had sinned, and they had broken covenant with God. And so what did they do? They, they hid, and they tried covering themselves. And what did God do? Called them out, and then he really covered them. And aren't you grateful that what we try to do and cover ourselves, God is always saying, that's not enough. I'll cover you even more. He'll go and protect you. What we try to sometimes do for ourselves, God will over exceed that. And so here, sin is introduced into the world. Mankind inherits sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Everyone is born with sin. We are all on equal playing field. Everybody in this room. If this is your first time here, and maybe you have never experienced God, 
You don't even know who he is. You just heard about him, but you do not have a relationship with God. I'm here to tell you, you were born with the sin nature. Hey, to those that have been churched their whole life, you still have a sin nature. We sometimes forget that we still have a sin nature. But everyone in this room, we all inherited a sin nature. There are things inside of us that nobody had to teach you. I'll give you a story. My son, when he was younger, um, Jordan, who just happened to walk out of this room, good for him. But when he was younger, I remember like, hey, buddy, it's time to go to bed. Um, Go upstairs and shower, and then we'll pray and tuck you in. Okay. So he went upstairs. We heard the water turn, and it was like two or three minutes, and then it was off. He come back downstairs. He's got a little bit of water in his, his hair. Like, hey, chief, you didn't shower. Yes, I did. Bro, you still smell like you didn't shower. You have a little bit of water on your hair. You didn't shower, man. So go back. He showers a couple of days later. Hey, buddy, it's time to go to bed. You got to go shower. Okay. Dude gets a little smart. He gets a little bit more water on his hair. Towels are still dry, though. It's like a miracle. A miracle can happen. Like he came out dry, right? Like maybe the hair dry. I don't know, but he thought he could get away with this. So he comes out a little bit more water on his hair. Towels are dry. I've showered. Bro, you did not shower. Get upstairs and shower. Now I'm getting ticked. Man, a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of weeks later, I'm home in the evening again. And I'm able to help get the kids in bed. Jay, go shower. This dude's getting smart. He took the time to put more water in his hair. He took water and threw it under his armpits. Let the water run even longer. And then came out. I'm like, bro, we go upstairs, because now I know. I'm on in this cat. We go upstairs. Towels are still dry. There's water everywhere. I'm like, son, you didn't shower again. It took you longer not to shower than to shower. You could have been done shower. You could have been playing with your Legos. You could have done a whole bunch of us. But you took, it took you an extra 10 minutes to lie to me. I didn't teach him how to do that. That was just something inside. He is born with the sin nature. We all have a sin nature in our lives. And because we're born with the sin nature, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has sin. We all have sin inside of us. In other words, the relationship we have with God was broken. It was severed the day we inherited sin. But watch what Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this judgment, we all have an appointment with death. Everyone here. I'm not trying to be morbid. I don't want to depress you. But listen, everybody in this room, unless the rapture happens, we all have an appointment with death. Everyone. There is not one person that can be excluded from that. And actually, when you look at uh, Psalms 19, uh, it's 90 and 10, it talks about the length of years that we have. It's, if, it's three score plus 10. One score is 20 years. So three score, 60 plus 10. An average lifespan of 70 years. And if you're healthy, it's four score. Between 70 and 80 is the average lifespan of mankind. Everybody is going to meet Jesus one day. We're all going to have to stand before the throne of God. But watch this in Revelations chapter 21, verses 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Do I have an overcomer that is in this room today? Has there anybody in this room that has had to overcome something in their life? You have given cards that you weren't dealt with. You were given things you didn't ask for. 
and you overcame those obstacles. And so the Lord is trying to tell us, listen, if you will be an overcomer, not only will you inherit, but I am your God and you are my child. If we choose to overcome. So we can be overcomers. The choice is up to us. But watch verse eight. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the scorners, the sorcerers, rather, the idolaters, all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So all man appointed once to die, but then the judgment after. So now when we meet him, it's only one of two situations. Well done, thou good and faithful, or depart from me, I never knew you. This isn't a scare tactic. This is just the Bible. I'm just giving you scripture. So we have a choice. You either live once and die twice, or you can die once and live twice. You have a choice. How we conduct ourselves, how we live this life, either this will be as close to hell as you'll ever get, or this will be as close to heaven as you'll ever get. But we have a choice to make. Why? Because we inherited sin into our lives. That's when you read the opening scripture that God was in Christ reconciling the worlds into himself. I can't give you all of the scripture and the time really to go over last Wednesday night's Bible study with Pastor Hoffman. If you have not heard it, I I encourage you, go to our YouTube channel. You'll want to hear it as we'll explain more of that. But when you look at God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself it is the spirit of god that was in the body of jesus we all know that god is a spirit and they that must worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. he is a spirit well if you go back to the old testament when the israelites would sin they had remember there was a list of all these things they did there were all these different sacrifices that you would have to bring and the priest would offer your sacrifice and that would essentially roll your sins over to the next year But when the work at the cross was performed by him reconciling, in other words, by God creating his body, Jesus, by indwelling of that body, all of a sudden now he became the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. That's why we don't have to sacrifice anymore today. He fulfilled that work on the cross. So what was broken, what needs to be restored was paid for on the cross. So every one of us in this room, we have to be reconciled. Because we all have a sin nature. And because of the work he had accomplished on the cross, all of a sudden now, we can be restored. Our relationship can be joined back with him. Because mark my words, sin and God cannot coexist. There will be no sin in heaven. There cannot be sin in heaven. There has to be a reconciliation that brings us back to him. Allow me to read you Romans chapter 5, verses 19 and 21. For by as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, aren't you thankful that grace did much more abound? That as sin hath reigned unto death, even as might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. One man jacked it up for us, but one man made it possible for us all to be saved. That man, that's why scripture tells us there's only one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus, because he died on the cross. That's why there's saving power in the name of Jesus, because there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus that saves us. It is his name that can reconcile us to him. 
So Jesus restores the relationship. In other words, he who knew no sin took on our sin. His death replaced the penalty of sin instead of we no longer have to pay that. But he took it on the cross for our sins. He paid the debt that we owed. So no longer is that priest in the, New, in the Old Testament needed because now we can go to our father. In John chapter 3, remember Jesus and Nicodemus are talking, and Nicodemus asked him, he said, listen, how, what is this be born again thing? How can I be saved? Jesus said, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. These aren't my words. How can you be born of water and spirit? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the question is asked, how can we be saved? What did Peter say in 38? Repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that is the doorway into salvation. Just because you are baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, repent, it doesn't even mean you're going to get to make it in anyways. That is the gateway for us to come in. We have to believe, and then we have to act on his word. So now I have to act on repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. I have a sin nature in me. I don't intend to do some of the things I do. Jordan didn't maliciously like, uh, how am I not going to take a shower? All right, I'm going to wait seven minutes so I don't have to take a shower. He just was acting on what's natural in him. Like, dude, I don't want to get wet right now because I'm going to go play. Turn on the water and wait. It wasn't malicious. He was just behaving on something that was birthed that was in, hardwired inside of him. And so when we have sin in our lives, some things are malicious and aren't. But it's saying, all right, God, you know what? I've made some mistakes. I've said some things I shouldn't have said. Looked at some things I shouldn't have looked at. Had some attitudes I shouldn't have had. Harbored some feelings I shouldn't have had. God, I need you to forgive me. Amen. We've repented. And if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, there, remember Philip meets the eunuch and, and he's reading scriptures like, I don't understand what's going on. And he said, listen, you need to be baptized. Walks him through and he said, well, here's water. What doth hinder thee? Well, here is water. What doth hinder you? If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, that can be done today. Why? Because we're trying to be reconciled to God. We understand we have a sin nature inside of us, so we are reconciled with him through baptism in Jesus' name. And the gift of God is the Holy Ghost, the infilling of his spirit. I can't make you get it. I can't negotiate with you. That is something that you will get between you and God. As you begin to pray, he will fill you with that. I can't give it to you. But so these were the steps of reconciliation. So we are reconciled with him. We have to follow these steps as we continue our walk. So it doesn't mean like, listen, blab it and grab it. The whole thing we used to say in, in the 90s, like, listen, just speak in tongues. Look, if you're a jerk, you should repent, even after you have the Holy Ghost. All right, now. Treat each other with some respect. All right. right. Watch what we say about each other. Right. How do we love each other? How do we conduct ourselves? I know plenty of people with the Holy Ghost that are just rude. But we ought to be changing. We ought to be always negotiating and moving forward. It is a journey. It is a walk with God. And so I'm glad you fulfilled those steps. But listen, there is still room for growth. The minute we think we've arrived, we failed. But watch. Is it good enough that you're reconciled? So we're all on the same page. We all recognize we all have sin. We recognize what the steps are to be forgiven of our sins. We know what the entrance is to start our walk with God, to begin the salvation plan. And so wouldn't it be super cool if God was like, that's good. Like, listen, you got the Holy Ghost, work on a couple things, just chill. That'd be dope. That, I love that, right? I would love if God didn't expect anything from me anymore. Like, listen, just watch your mouth, sit down, have a good attitude. I'll see you when I, you know, either when you pass or I rapture you. Perfect. 
We'd all love that. But watch what he says in verse 18. This is obviously in 1 Corinthians from our opening scripture. And all things are, are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us this ministry of reconciliation. Watch. Now then, in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. So now, let me take you back to the fivefold ministry which we talked about. We just learned it's no longer good enough that you have the Holy Ghost, that you've been baptized, that you've repented, and now you're trying to be a good person. Trying to no longer sin, keep it together, let's move forward. No, now he's saying, now, okay, now you're an ambassador for me. Okay? So now the fivefold ministry, which is what everybody loves, like we, I'm telling you, the church loves to talk about the fivefold ministry, and I'm not discrediting that. We need apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, evangelists. We need that. But watch, this is what I found when I was studying this. In Ephesians 4.12, again, it says, for the perfecting of the saints, we've already discussed that we're not perfect. He will perfect us in our journey for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, okay? What is the work of the ministry? What is the ministry? Well, we just learned it in 18. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. There is no need for the fivefold office if there is no ministry of reconciliation. If people are on the pews, if we're not talking to, who needs a prophet? Who are we teaching? Who are we pastoring? Who are we leading if we don't have a spirit or a ministry of reconciliation? If I have been reconciled to Christ, now he's telling me, listen, you are an ambassador for me. An ambassador is a person who acts as a representative or a promoter. If I am supposed to represent Christ and I promote him, am I doing that? Am I chasing the lost? Am I in my community? Am I talking about Christ on the job site? Am I sharing him with my family? Am I talking about him through my everyday life? It was never good enough that he reconciled you. But once you are reconciled, he gives you the ministry of reconciliation. Once you have the ministry of reconciliation, now you can operate in the ministry of the, five, of the fivefold ministry. Now we can start preaching. Now we'll teach. Now we'll, all of a sudden, now we can engage. But somebody has to help the city reconcile with God. Listen, worship team, when they're out here, I, I love it. They're leading us in worship. But they're not here to make themselves look good. They are here to create an atmosphere where people can reconcile with God. Their job isn't to sound great, to smash on the bands, to sound excited. That's not their job. Their job is to say, all right, we are reconciled with Christ. We have prayed. We have prepared. We are anointed. Now I need to sing. Why? Because there's somebody in the room that has never experienced Christ. And so if I could create the environment for somebody to become reconciled with him, that is their ministry. It's not just worship. Their ministry is reconciliation. The production guys, those guys that hang on the back, don't they do a great job every single week? Those guys back there. But listen, the production team, the camera guys, the roamers, they're not here just to create a place for us to look cool and get some likes online. There are so many people, I remember when we were going through the pandemic, um, we spent a lot of money, and, and this church owes so much to um, Tyrone, who is right here, and then Hassan was in the back. There's a lot of people that have worked to get us up and running and perfect the online or get better at being online. And I remember Pastor Hoffman said, hey, Bo, you're spending a lot of money. That's like the death sentence in, in, in the church world. Like when they're on your budget, you get the pink slipper fired, right? 
He said, right, we spent a lot of money on, on this live stream stuff, all these cameras. We didn't have anything. Colin, also Colin, really helped put a lot of this stuff online for us. It was just a wide team. But I remember telling Pastor, I can prove to you why the investment into live stream really works. I said, how? So easy. This morning, this is our second service. Our 915, we have a, a, a group that comes from Canada. Many of you could not be here during the pandemic, so you were online. I said, I can prove to you why I'm spending all this money and it works. He said, how? Count their tithes. How many churches during the pandemic, when they went off the grid and they weren't prepared online, how many of them lost their whole congregation and had nobody? First church was still growing online. So when we came in, we went to multiple services. Why? Because we invested on the online. So those of you that are online, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for partnering with us. We're so grateful we can worship with you in your living room. But the ministry of production isn't just to get likes. The ministry is because we can reach people online. We can touch people right in their own homes through what? The ministry of reconciliation. The FIT team, which is the largest team we have, the largest team we have in this church. That team has so much to do with what happens in this service. Listen, you can speak in tongues all day long. If you're a jerk in that lobby and the first guest comes in, guess what? They're not coming back. If they come through those doors and you're not showing when the bathroom's on, they got to figure it out they're not coming back. Do we need a fit team just so we have like a job description for somebody? Like we're all bored? We all have plenty to do. Why do we have a fit team? It's the ministry of reconciliation. Somebody comes through those doors and they feel your hug. They see your smile. They hear, hey, thanks for coming here today. Hey, let me help you to the restroom. Hey, do you need anything from me? That is the ministry of reconciliation. Why? We are creating a place for people to come to where they can be reconciled with God. They can come into this house and feel his presence. And help them. Everything we do here is a ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to represent him in this community and help them reconcile. God didn't call First Church to Let's Imagine. If you're new here, Let's Imagine is a capital campaign for us to build something to the north of us. We're involved in two services. We're trying to get everybody under one roof with the seating capacity for more. Because we have been growing. Now listen, I'll be honest. I would love to not do Let's Imagine. In the flesh. Why? That's more work. Our first lady was sitting here this morning as our lead pastor is traveling. Um, what What I ended up saying this morning, I would love for Pastor Sister Hoffman to call me Monday morning and say, here's a list of stuff to do and leave me alone. It'd be great. That'd be perfect. Man, I got my 10 punch list items to do for the whole week. Man, we'd be on more vacations. I could be home more often. My kids could see me a little bit more. That would be easy to not not to join in and partner with Let's Imagine, building something greater. It's more work investing into the kingdom. But if God can reconcile me, who am I not to help somebody else get reconciled? Let me, let's take a poll here real quick. Has anybody in this room ever been healed before? Oh, wow. Okay. Has anybody in this room ever had relationship issues and God intervened? Oh, man, this is great. We're doing all right. Anybody have money problems and God answered your prayer? Woo! That's awesome. How much of a tragedy is it when there are people, we're not the only ones to face issues. How about all the people outside of these walls that don't know who he is? They don't have community. 
They don't have anybody that can pray with them. There's nobody there to bless them. How awful is it for us to sit in this house and be like, God touched my family. He blessed my pocketbook. He's touching my friendships. He's touching my life. He's healed me. And yet there are people that are begging to be healed, begging for a miracle, looking for relationships, wanting to get out of addictions. They're looking for reconciliation. And here we sit week after week when we could be operating in the ministry of reconciliation. But this building isn't just something for us to prod ourselves and give ourselves a, a a bigger head count in attendance because it'd be easy not to. I'm totally fine. We had 398 last week. That's a lot. I'm cool with 398. Pastor would probably love to travel more. I think the worship team's pretty stacked. No more people. You can, you can go to London more often. Be great. But we have to develop more teams. We have to get more leaders. We're going to ask more of you to serve and get into places that'll stretch you. You're going to have to grow in Christ. You're going to have to stretch yourselves out of limits. You've always served that. Why? Because there's going to be 800 people one day, and it's not going to be the same teams. It can't be the same people doing everything at the same time. It's going to require you to get out of your seat, stretch yourself a little bit, operate out of a capacity that you've never operated in before. It's going to take you to do that. It can't just be one team. It takes of all walks of life for us to reach this city. But I promise you, every yard of cement that is poured, every bit of electrical that is pulled, every bit of drywall that's hung, every gallon of paint that's painted, every square foot of trim that is finished, everything is for the ministry of reconciliation. All of it. None of it is for us to bolster our egos to to look good, but it is all for reconciling the city to who Jesus is. Because why? We are ambassadors of Christ. You have the responsibility to reach this city. The job of the church is to reconcile the world to him, not to ourselves. We can't build something that makes us feel comfortable. I'm sorry. Listen, if it was up to me, some of y'all don't know my past. I love hip hop. I grew up listening to rap, hip hop. If it was up to me, we'd have Christian rap here all the time. There'd probably be two of you, me, Tony, and probably a couple others in here that like rap. I can't build a church on rap. Y'all be gone. I got some in the back with, like, thumbs up, like, we're out of here. Calm down. We're not doing rap music. It's all right, folks. But what I'm telling you is I can't build something that just attracts people I want. Remember, Jesus said, cast your nets into the sea. It's going to take everybody. We might pull people we love, people we hate, we're uncomfortable with. Pray about it. That's real. But it's, we're casting our nets. But watch what Paul is dealing with in the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll read it in the New Living Translation. It's just easier. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would uh, uh, to spiritual people. I had to talk to you uh, as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, (laughs) for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work of the Lord gave us 
I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting, who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together. They work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their hard work. We are both God's workers and are God's field and you are God's building. We cannot build a church based on personality. It can't be one-sided. You can't build that way. Watch this. If we were to build a church, like look, I said it earlier, we're not a church of silos. We're not building. This isn't a department-driven church. This isn't a, take a look around. We have so many nationalities and different creeds, people from different walks of life, all here. Because this isn't a one-dimensional church. But if you were to represent, as we will build across the field, if we started building a church that was like, hey, you know what? Um, I love rap music. So, Pastor Draylon, I'm going to need you to step up your game, and you're going to have to start rapping. You and your wife, get, get it ready. We, get it lit. Right? That's, we're building a church of, of rap because that's what I like. Or maybe if you're 12 years old and you're like, hey, listen, you know what? That's when I like. I need theatrics. Like, I need a bigger LED wall. I'm going to need some pyromaniac stuff in here. Throw some fireworks in the building. Like, hey, let's just make it big. So all of a sudden now it's like, okay, we're going to build a, a student-driven church. Or I could say, hey, listen, you know what? I'm Portuguese. I love Portuguese people. So we're just going to build a church for Portuguese people. There's only three of us, me, my dad, and my brother. So I could take some bricks off because that's not real, right? But man, build my church, build my church, build it from the column up. It's my church, it's my church, it's my church. Build it for my own kind, it's my church. If I'm building a church based off of what we like, what we think is good, what we want to see, what we want to hear, all of a sudden, man, I'm building a wall. I've, I've got myself a wall here. Okay. So what happens? Tell me what happens if, if we were to build this church across the field. What do you think would happen when a strong wind would come? It would knock it down. Oh, my Lord. If that happens in the natural, what happens in the supernatural? Man, if I have a church of just students, man, when the enemy comes and attacks, that whole demographic starts going. Man, if I just build a church of Portuguese people, because we don't have a lot, the whole thing will topple over. So I'm not interested in building a church. Like, what was Paul saying? Listen. You know, some, you're, you're upset. There's bickering in the Corinth church saying, hey, listen, you know what? Uh, listen, you know, we follow Paul. Paul baptizes. Hey, you know, no, 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 it was Apollos. No, no, no. Like, listen, it's not, pastor says this all the time. It's not his church. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. This is the church of God. This is his place. Then what we're building for him is for everybody. I can't be so worried about what I like, what I want to build, because I was called to the ministry of reconciliation. I am here to build something for all people. You are here to build something for all people. We are not the judge. You just cast your net, and what comes in, God's going to honor that. So it can't be a, a church just of millennials. It can't be a church of just Gen Z. It can't be a church of just the baby boomers. We can't just have a, a church based on wealthy people. We can't build a church based off of what we enjoy how do we make this thing work well that's easy all of a sudden now we start building a church that says hey you know what the life of the church is through life groups why 
I'm all for us having events that cater to certain demographics. Listen, shameless plug, ladies retreats coming up. Go sign up for it. But wouldn't it be incredible if we heard the Sunday after ladies retreat, there's, there's a body of water, there's a lake there. How awesome would it be if we found out during ladies retreat somebody got baptized in that pond? How incredible would it be if somebody received the Holy Ghost at ladies retreat? How awesome would it be as our young adults are gathering and they start playing in these parks and they're playing volleyball and volleyball and all of a sudden other young adults are coming. That's a great place to attract, but you don't build a church off of just the one demographic. Why? Because as soon as they receive the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden now I want to plug them into a life group. Why? Because this is the only reason my son knows Sister Virginia Schaefer who's right there. So she's at least 20 years old, right, sis? At least 20, maybe 30. But I've got my son at the time who was only 12 or 13 years old. But because he was in a life group with Virginia Schaefer, my son now has a relationship with Virginia Schaefer. So life groups, the life of the church has to be through life groups. Why? Because we're building something that reaches everybody. All of a sudden now, this wall that's coming together that we're building isn't just a bunch of columns that are coming up, but my God, we start putting something together. All of a sudden now we have life groups that are keeping us together. And what happens when we build this wall? And now that we have this wall that's here, and what happens when the wind starts coming? When the enemy starts to attack, it's taking the whole thing. It's shaking, it's shaking the foundation of this table right now. Instead of those columns wanting to come down, you can't budge this whole wall. Because you know what happens? As soon as you start messing with the young people, you're messing with them elders. You start touching them elders, you're getting them young people. You start messing with them young marriage, you get the marrieds. Start messing with the singles, you get everybody. Why? We are one body, many members, but we are jointly fit together. Why? For the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us the charge that you are to be my ambassador. You are to reach this city. But it's going to take all of us, not one demographic, not just the pastoral team, not just the elders, not just the students. It's going to take everybody in this room. But watch what Paul says. Jesus. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant to all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews became as a Jew, that I might gain some Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made, I, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. The church cannot be one-dimensional. This church, it cannot be just about the same people that serve. Remember what I just said? When we hit 800, there are some of you that are just going to have to step it up. I'm going to have to step it up in certain areas of my walk with God. Why? Because this city can't afford a church of silos. This church can't afford, this church needs a whole body to rally around. Why? When we say we're better together, why do we believe that? You mess with one, you get all of us together. Remember, you mess with the little brother, you got the whole family. You get the whole family when you come into a church that is multi-generational and multicultural. It cannot be one-dimensional. I'm closing if I could have the worship team come up. How does this impact Sterling Heights? According to the census of 2021, the population is at 133,269. It is the second largest city in Detroit metro area. It is the fourth largest city 
in the state of Michigan. And they're projecting within the next two years, we will probably be the third largest city in the state of Michigan. 92% have broadband internet subscriptions. We've talked about that earlier. That's why it's so vital that we stay online. Is it annoying to have a camera in your face? Maybe. I was sick two weeks ago. I don't miss Sundays. I couldn't make it here. I have never been more thankful for these guys when I'm sitting in my living room and I'm watching the worship going on and those guys are sweeping those cameras and I feel like I'm in the room worshiping with you. I'm in my house sick as I could be, but I am worshiping with you as that camera pans and I'm seeing people getting Holy Ghost. People are being spirit filled. I'm talking about the move of God in this room. Why? Because it is a, it is a ministry of reconciliation that we can have in other people's houses. 92% of the city are paying for the internet. They're online. The income of this city, the median income is 70,000. We have to know who we're trying to reach. 34.6% are bilingual. Year after year, the multiple generational living under the same roof has exponentially grown in this city. In the 2020 census, the average age of the person in Sterling Heights is 40.7. So why are we building this type of church? Why isn't it a rap church? Listen, we're, we're trying to reach a city that's got 40s. Why? If you can get to family, you get to children. You get to children, you get to grandparents. Aren't you thankful for next gen when their kids are up here and they're singing at every holiday and they're moving? Why? The grandparents are coming through those doors. That's why, listen, this church, I'm telling you right now, this pulpit will never be exclusive to a certain age demographic. You're going to see people up here that are 12 singing, and you can see somebody up here that's eight years old that's singing. If you're given the gift to sing, then you can be up here singing. It's not one culture. It's not, it's, we're multidimensional at this church. We can't build something what makes us comfortable. There are songs I don't like, but I'm still going to worship to them. I'll never forget a couple of years ago, we had a, a worship night here. It was tailored more to young adults. And it was dark. There was haze, what some of you will call smoke. The lights were crazy. The music was loud. And I'll never forget, I'm on Instagram, and Nicole Soto had taken a a video of my dad. And my dad was right there. And uh, if you know my dad who's sitting in the back, love you, dad. He he does this thing. He comes up, he's got his little, he he looks like this. He owns owns his little square. This is what he does. He's just worshiping. I said, dad, you're on the internet. He's like, oh, he's so cute. I said, yeah, dad, you're on my phone. I'm like, dad, you're. You're on Instagram. He's like, oh, Facebook? No, Dad. Instagram. He's like, oh, this is Let me, let me. So I showed him, like, oh, he's like, oh, and you know, and listen, y'all know what this is. When you do this, oh, oh, yeah. Epa. Yeah, it's a, okay, okay. I said, yeah, Dad, thousands of people have watched this. He's like, oh, yeah. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, Dad, yeah. Oh, I said, man, you love that. He's like, oh, yeah. No. You didn't like it. He's like, eh, bye, I got a music. It's so loud. It's like the lights, the smoke. I, I, I don't like nothing. But hey, I praise Jesus. Here's another. Listen, didn't like the songs, didn't like the light, didn't like the hazing. But my dad's up here worshiping. I can find Sister Spicer's on her way to serve at Detroit at another church. You can find Spicy walking around, lifting up the name of Jesus, praying with our students, praying with every age demographic. Why? Because they have a spirit of reconciliation. They understand it's not about them. It's about the body of Christ. This city cannot afford one dimension. Paul was saying, listen, 
I can be a Jew to every Jew. I can be weak to everybody that's weak. And it's going to take us to identify the same way. Listen, it ain't about how much money you have in the account. It ain't about what color skin you are. It ain't about what kind of music you like. It ain't about the kind of lights you like. It's about the kingdom. It's about the city. And if we're going to fill that building, it's going to take us to say, hey, I have been reconciled to Christ. My relationship with him is solid. And so I have to create an environment for somebody else to come in here and feel the same thing. I want us to stand right now. So what happens when we begin to bring people back to Christ? It's a ministry of reconciliation. Jesus, God, help us to never take for granted, God, the opportunity and what we feel when we come in this room. Because we have a gift that has been given to us. We've had the opportunity that somebody reached out to us. Maybe they were uncomfortable when they reached out to us. But I can tell you from a personal level that over almost two years ago, when my wife and I had to face our, our darkest night, you know who rallied around me? It wasn't just the Portuguese. You know who rallied around me? It wasn't just the young adults. It wasn't just the elders. It was the whole body of Christ that ministered to my family. And that's what happens when you have a church that isn't one-dimensional, that is multicultural. Jesus. Jesus. That's it. God's calling you right now. God's moving on you. If you've never reconciled with him, knowing that the relationship is fractured, today can be the day that you reconcile. I believe that's what happened around these altars earlier when there were pockets of prayer breaking out. People were coming to the altars and giving everything to him. Why? There was a reconciliation that was happening in their spirit. There was something that was broken that they were bringing back together. And that can still happen today. Or there's some of you in this room that you can feel God's calling you to stretch yourself a little bit more now. It can't be the same people. It's going to take every one of us every one of us to reach this city but when you look back at Antioch you look at where the church Corinth church first were called Christians because of their multicultural they 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 built bridges where no other church was daring to do they built bridges between demographics do you realize that that church became the launching site for at least five missionary journeys I don't think it's an accident that what we have in this room just a, a few weeks ago that our next-gen pastors took over 10 students and young adults to Brazil to be missionaries. I don't think it's an accident that we had about 9 or 10 men go to Wyoming to build another church. I don't think it's an accident that here in just a couple of weeks we have at least 15 men going to a church up north helping to rebuild their church because they don't have the resources. This place is a place where we send out. This isn't a place where we're just drawing people in. This is a place where we're sending people out. Why? Because this church has a spirit of reconciliation. It is a ministry of reconciliation. You want to operate in the five-fold ministry? Then get yourself in a ministry of reconciliation. Begin to lead somebody. Begin to pray with somebody. Begin to pastor somebody in your home. When I'm talking about life groups, submit it to them this church but I'm telling somebody in this room you want to operate if you can't teach a Bible study you'll never teach on this platform if you can't operate in a life group you'll never have another platform to stand on we all have a place we can partner we have a place where we can come together the church was multicultural and mission driven they operated with that ministry of reconciliation so maybe you're in this room and you're saying hey I want to reconcile with God today. 
I've, I've never repented. I've never been baptized. I don't have the Holy Ghost. The first thing you need to do is square that away this morning. But if you have had the luxury and the privilege of walking through that, and we'll repent here together as a body of Christ, but I'm telling you right now, if you're sitting in this room and you're saying, God, I've gotten so comfortable with what I like, what I feel the church should be, what I like the church to look like, but God, how can I reach my neighbor, someone I don't identify with, but yet one day an appointed man wants to die, but then the judgment thereafter. You don't want to be in judgment day with your neighbor saying, hey, you never told me about this church. You never told me about this God. How will you look your neighbor in the eye? How will you look your coworker in the eye? How can we look at them if we never reached for them because we were too afraid? But we'll take the perks of the church. It's easy to come in here and feel the community and the love. It's easy to come in here and build relationships. But yet, how many are out there looking for what you have? What a tragedy it would be. Do you think the Lord would look at us and say, hey, you know what? I don't know that Sterling Heights is ready for this revival. I think I'm going to have to go find another place that is ready for this. But I accept the challenge of this ministry. I accept the challenge of helping others reconcile to him. I want us to come across to come up front to these altars. And if you want to take that next step this morning, I invite you to come to the front here. I'll pray with you. Our next general pastor, our worship pastor, we'll pray with you. Our elders will pray with you. Because listen, take a chance here. I promise you, you mess with one of us, you get all of us. You get every elder, every student, every baby, every young adult, every single. We all come together. But if you're in this room and you've been fighting it and wondering, like, God, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? This doesn't look like what I love. This doesn't look like what I like. I'm telling you, stretch yourself this morning. Stretch yourself this morning. Accept the call of God to begin to minister. Let's begin to pray right now. Let's usher in the presence of God and take the step. Let's stretch ourselves and push ourselves. 